0: The Celtics had a chance to win or take this one to overtime until fatigue and poor decision making got in the way. It was 90s throwback night in Miami, and the final score reflected that. Celtics Heat post game coming up next on first <laughs> to the floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Martin
1: Smart, as he usually is. That's the first round we've seen a superstar in premium white sacrifice my
0: Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Also with us on this one, our guy, Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? <laughs> ah,
1: you know, yeah. I've been better, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty disappointing, if I'm oh, being yes. totally honest. But, you know, it doesn't really matter.
0: This is why you build the cushion, right? This is right, why you build a exactly. huge five-game cushion for the first seed yeah. there. Uh, and, of course, with us, our man, with the mistress, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, How's it going, dude? <laughs> thank God the mistress was there tonight to
2: soften the blow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Of the eventual result. I can just curl up with him, watch those highlights specifically after this.
0: Yeah, that's what it's going to take, I think, to pull ourselves out of the funk. I'm talking as fans. I can't speak for the team, obviously, but uh, a bit of a funky feeling coming away from this one. The Celtics, they came out extremely energetic. They look good right off the tip, up and down the court quickly. Rapid ball movement. You mentioned the mistress just spearheading the offense, just really quick... North and South and getting the team into their offense, especially out of transition. The Celtics, you know, they allowed a lot of three-point looks early from the heat, but for the most part, they weren't going down in this game. And then it took Bam Adebayo going somewhat supernova. And, you know, we wanted to get into the Bam Adebayo-Rob matchup a little bit later, Mm. and we will. But I think it's safe to say Bam was the winner of said matchup in this particular game and um, subsequently the winner of the actual game itself. Spoony, what are you, your main takeaways from you know what's obviously a disappointing loss for the Celtics here?
1: I at some point you're missing so many players that you're just fundamentally not the same team anymore. So when you're missing Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Brogdon, and Horford, I mean, <laughs> four of your top six, realistically. Um, Justin Jackson played 14, 14 minutes. Yeah. When is the last time Justin Jackson played 14 minutes? Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> sure he averaged that many minutes in the G League last year. <laughs> so uh it's you know, Bam made his, you know, his annoying little mid-range jumpers. Uh, like it's I thought a Bam, lame
2: shot. Just, <laughs> it's not even hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh play some honorable basketball, Bam, Yeah. but um <laughs> Actually, thought Bam. Other than the end of the fourth quarter, Bam did most of his damage when Rob was off mm-hmm. the floor. Uh, and Rob was actually a plus one in this game, and Bam was only a plus three. So, uh, I, Bam obviously, I think, got the better of Rob. But for the for most of that game, Bam was working Luke. Though that was ugly at times, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. The um the four minutes of Blake were also not good. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> not say, <great. laughs> let it out, Jake. Let it flow.
0: <laughs> let the disappointment flow.
2: I I I really hate the heat and seeing them all really happy on the sideline. I'm like, we didn't even have Jalen or Raw Marcus. All these guys. This is a fake win, and this doesn't count for you. Um, very upsetting. 42 minutes from Peyton Pritchard. As much as uh. I love how much dog Peyton Pritchard has and how amazing he was in the fourth quarter of the Raptors game. Um, There's diminishing returns on the energizer bunny. um, The way that you're able to kind of flip the game by coming in and injecting energy when you're playing 40 plus minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he was
1: and he floating. looked gassed yeah. at the end of that game, dude. Like he looked absolutely out of it. And the jumpers just every shot nah. just stopped falling in that fourth what? quarter. And that's tired legs, man. There's like a couple floaters that Derek White and should have should have hit. And Grant had a wide open floater. Um, and you just gotta think like maybe if we had four of our six best players, <laughs> this game goes a little differently.
0: Yeah, we started that fourth quarter without Tatum, and I'm thinking, okay, like this is this is a little dodgy. Things are going to get icy here, and they actually held their own. I think Peyton Pritchard hit a, a pull-up three, and then there was one of two great Derek White to Rob Williams mm-hmm. alley oh finishes, which is electric. And you're thinking, okay, this is with, with Tatum on the bench. This is incredible. We've got this game in the bag. Then Tatum comes back. The Heat go into zone. And uh, Eddie House was talking about it on the, on the broadcast. Like the Celtics offense just completely stagnated and they didn't seem to be able to find their rhythm with Tatum coming back in and the zone defense rearing its extremely ugly head again when it comes to the Miami Heat. Extremely ugly on all fronts. Um, <laughs> I where else do we go from here? We had someone else in the, in the comments. Uh, Devilho, I want to say. Apologies for the poor pronunciation. DeVijo. How much of a mulligan does this game get can we Can we just call it? It's a mulligan, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you
0: I don't think Jimmy
1: Butler being out makes up for the four guys being <laughs> out. I just I I just think it's fundamentally different. Like um so I think it's a huge mulligan. I'm not Ten too worried giant. about it. That said, how well they were playing yeah. up until the last 9 minutes of the fourth quarter, I'm I shouldn't care that we lost that game, but I kind of do, right? Do you yeah. guys feel that
2: way? <laughs> I feel so much worse after this yeah. <laughs> than I did after the Orlando game yesterday. Right. Like, I was I was kind of in a, in a state of levitating out of my body towards the end of the second quarter when Tatum was playing like a more athletic Luka Doncic, um, just tearing up the, the heat Um it was all, it was so impressive to see them all fight that way, but it felt like they just ran out of gas. Like, they, yeah, they go up 10 yeah. with, you know, eight and a half to go. And then Haywood Highsmith, Puff. this freaking guy, dude. Like His it,
0: threes were wet
2: all day. He didn't get close to touching the rim. And Depot, oh, like they hit, like there's three straight oh, possessions. Depot. Depot hitting three. hasn't, hasn't, you know, touched a net in weeks, it feels like. And he, he come into this game and, Late was good. Like he, he was getting blocked by Hauser early in the game. Yeah, was, you know the back to back caught up with them. It felt like at the end, like as much as um, they were out of rhythm. And I saw people on Twitter being like, "How does Tatum go four possessions without touching the ball?" Tatum wasn't going to get the ball either, and they called the timeout. Yeah. And then he went to get the ball, and then it led to some better offense. Um, but it also led to two awful Tatum turnovers late in the game as well, um, which. Our mental, our mental fatigue mistakes. When you can, can like can cr- contrast it with how well he's like, how many good decisions he was making up until that point. So, yeah, you chalk it up to a back to back, and he played another forty minutes tonight. It's just like,
0: come yeah, on, it's yeah. it's tough. And we were staring down the barrel of like a classic Tatum game. Yeah. Thirty-one. Uh, what has he got here? A steal, seven assists, fourteen rebounds. But there's that number again under the turnovers yeah. column, seven. Seven turnovers. I think, like you said, Jake, a lot of that comes down to fatigue and the uh, the subsequent poor decision-making that comes with that fatigue. And we were celebrating throughout the game heliocentric Jason Tatum, which is maybe the, the most fun version of Jason Tatum. And, and the one, I guess, positive viewpoint on viewing the hospital Celtics is that you get to see if, if Tatum's playing for them. This heliocentric version of Tatum, it's a lot of fun. He really operates quite well in that mode, bringing the ball up the court, and then ass- basically assessing what's around him and, and, and making decisions based on that. Very similar to Luka Doncic. But in the normal flow of the normal healthy Celtics offense, we don't really get to see that version of Tatum a lot. What are your takeaways, spooning on on Tatum's game? Because, like I said, it was looking like a good game. Some poor decisions at the end of the game. What are your takeaways on, on Tatum's performance overall?
1: Uh, Real quick, I saw uh, at night he tweeted that Haywood Highsmiths made three three or more threes three times this year (laughs) and two of them against the Celtics. So (laughs) I don't know what it is about us, but there's just those random dudes who cannot miss. Um, I thought Tatum was excellent to dominant uh, for three and a half quarters. And then he, yeah. I think, Jake, you nailed it. He stopped coming to the ball. And then so we were starting all of our possessions with either Derek White or Tatum dribbling the air out of the ball, hoping someone would move or set a pick or flash to the um, free throw line extended because that is how you break up a zone. And it's like no one did because the Heat are super physical. I think you saw it a couple times in that fourth quarter. Tatum was kind of trying to get himself into that position and highsmith Hi was just leaning on him and he just couldn't fight through it anymore yeah. so i i think w- was this also a third and four we played the warriors on saturday right yes correct. so this is third game and fourth on a back to back with travel so um not a very long drive from miami <laughs> to orlando but technically travel <laughs> uh, so i just think it comes down to that and yeah i i agree those those tur- especially that very last turn- um, turnover yeah. People, I want, what are your guys' thoughts? Because I saw people were tweeting that Joe should have called the timeout. Yes. I kind of like playing it out and not letting them get defensive subs because Hero is not in that game if you call a timeout, right? <laughs> so you can kind of get that's, I think it's a give or take. I think there's reasonable arguments yeah. either way. I'm curious if you get, I'm fine with it.
0: I'm you know.
1: he goes, he have. Well
0: this is just one of those classic cases where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like if, right. if that had uh gone well, then it's suddenly Joe's a genius, like you know, right. just letting the, the offense play itself out, letting the game play itself out, but of course, you know, it didn't go the way we wanted it, and so now the criticism is, is very much pointed directly at Joe. Um yeah, Jake, what do you think?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I always, I'm someone who leans, don't call timeout. I like getting in semi-transition. You can maybe get a cross match and transition, something like that. Um, the difference I think today, I, I really, like as soon as they got the ball, I was like, I think they should call a timeout just because they were having, there was so much trouble getting any good looks generated in the half court that it felt like they needed to just like get organized, get a play drawn up. Um
0: and yeah, yeah. sit down
2: so for I, a minute I, as well. I thought would, yeah, get some rest. Like get Tatum just 30 seconds or have 60 seconds. I thought that was a mistake. Um, I don't I don't think it was like a disastrous mistake. Like I think again, like as you said, but if it go, if it goes the right way, um, they get the right matchup, someone hits a three. It's a different story. I just like that was my my snap feeling. Once they like, we got the rebound, I, I felt like they should have called the timeout. Um, so kind of kind of a miss on on that one, Joe. I did see him yelling. At someone behind the bench, um, like it was just after they fouled the second time to put was a highsmith on the on the line again, um, and that felt like frustration from Joe in the sense like the guy behind the bench it was I know some white guy who I, whose name I don't know not Ben Sullivan, a beardless white man um,
0: <laughs> the <laughs> worst kind yeah the guy who looks like Jesus no, <laughs> you know what no, I'm talking about. <laughs> I actually don't Sorry. know the guy you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I'll find a picture. I'll get back to you. No,
2: but the, yeah, he was yelling at the, the 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 unnamed white man behind the bench. And he was like, I don't know. What do you want from me? Like there was nothing like, and it felt like there was a moment of frustration from Joe in that he maybe felt like he may have made the wrong decision there or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you kind of like project your your feelings onto someone else when potentially it's your own fault. That's a little <laughs> body that. language doctor for me, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah.
1: Devil Joe uh, called it out in, in the chat here. Um, Ime didn't call a timeout in that game one against the Nets, and we came down and the Nets were disorganized and we got that game winner um, yeah, but at, at the buzzer. I, this so is a here's, team. I know, I know. And here's what I was going to say is I like the idea, yeah. but when Tatum gets doubled and nobody moves and nobody gets open – Maybe then, with like four seconds right before he's about to throw the pass, then you take it, right? Yeah, because yeah. that possession looked doomed Awful, yeah. from the start. So, and then they had the double come and Derek White's kind of standing there and Pritchard's not moving out of the corner. It's like, we didn't even need three either. You know, we could no. have taken the two to tie. So maybe that's when you call the timeout. Maybe see if you can get something quick in transition. Oh man, this looks bad. Call a timeout and then draw something up.
2: Yeah, I think. And, and, and the guys on the court, like no one moving, it felt like a combination of of tired legs and like lack of confidence. I feel like Pritchard was Pritchard. He was you know, two for nine for three. Grant Grant's box score, he was three for three from three. Not telling the story. Not accurate. From, from Grant. <laughs> I can't believe he's three for six from the field. So much worse than that. You felt like that no one want. It was just everybody wanted Tatum to save them, including us, including everybody watching. It was like, but it became very clear that there was no, there was no saving that possession, and Tatum just launched it into Hauser in the corner, and hero get and hero getting the steal made it even worse. Just because I had did. Like just his his face. That's a named white man's face. I was me off every time I see it. <laughs> he didn't it, that little
0: Yeah, he didn't deserve to be rewarded with a win for his performance in this game. What is his approach to being an NBA entity? Yeah, not a a huge fan of (laughs) Tyler Hero, but I digress. Um, There were some good... First of all, very uncharacteristic turnover for for Jason Tatum. I think we can all agree. And that fatigue was a huge factor in him throwing that misguided (laughs) pass to begin with. There were some good stretches from Tatum. There were some great stretches from Tatum in this game. And maybe we can use this to segue into sort of the, the key moments from this game. Tatum's end to the second quarter <laughs> was it insane like maybe one of the best stretches of tatum's career so far yeah. like uh, a deep deep three then pulls the ball out on the next possession spin into the paint and one finish under insane duress right under yeah, the bucket yeah. there and then final play he's doubled swarmed even finds a cutting luke cornet for the finish end of the quarter <sighs> go ahead jake
2: Oh, that last pl- pass to Cornet was absurd. Like the jump, like kind of threw it and spun it, and so it bounced correctly to Cornet for the finish. And then it put them up eight going into halftime. And you're like, Tatum is dicing up this heat defense anchored by Bam by maybe one of the best defenders in the league, um, with Cornet, Hauser, Pritchard. Like, as much as those guys are great, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh men, um, they're not supposed to be. You know dicing up the Eastern Conference, you know, um, representative from last season. So, it was, yeah, it was so impressive that he was able to put them in that position and it kind of um, – because Derek White had three fouls in the first half as well as he was playing. He got called for one, just a terrible <laughs> – so strip yeah. down, um, how dare they to my mistress <laughs> like that. Um, but that was an issue because it was like – I mean, like the fact that Derek White is your emergency point guard um, – is just an absurd like position to be in. And then he picks up his third foul and you're like, ooh, that's definitely going to be a problem. And Tatum picked up any of the production that Derek White left and built built a lead. And so you felt like you kind of survived, which they did. Um, they just needed some like steroids or like late, you know, quarter injections in the fourth quarter or something. but Anything, please. Anything. <laughs> anything. Joe should have got out there. I don't know. <laughs> Bully yeah, Derek ball.
1: White gets gets the third foul, and then I believe it was, and here comes Justin Jackson no. to the scorers. No, we should have known no, it was over at that guy.
2: point. <laughs> and he took the three where he caught it looking at the sideline and spun and shot. He's like, Justin,
1: self-awareness, no. please. No. Uh yeah, that, that stretch by Tatum. And I believe a few minutes earlier, he hit that crazy like one hand, right-handed bullet pass on a line oh cross court to the corner shooter. I can't remember who to it Justin was. To
0: Justin Jackson. Was it yeah. Justin Jackson. Jackson? The pass was yeah. so good yeah. he, he, made he made couldn't help yeah. but hit it. <laughs> yeah, right. he had
1: to. It's like the 2K badge or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dyma, um, And I, I thought he was excellent um, up until the fourth quarter defensively as well. Obviously, we needed – someone to hit the glass it we we didn't lose the rebounding battle by well what we were negative nine all right that's a lot it felt like a (laughs) lot it felt like the heat got some really tiny timely offensive rebounds but tatum had 14 boards man all of them defensive and against the heat you got to clean up the defensive glass and he did a really good job Mm -hmm. of doing that as well and and yet again Got to the line 14 times. I know.
2: So I this is this was not a Tate, like this is not on Tatum at all. Like this is just the fact that you can't have above, you can't have starter quality players uh that don't play regular season like minutes at all. That's just the reality of having four of your players out. Like to to play another 40 minutes to get the 14 boards, to play really good defense for almost all of it. Like the the seven turnovers you can kind of live with, with how much production he had. It's just unfortunate that two of those seven came in like the last minutes. But yeah, he was, he was doing a really good job of grinding out points early as well by getting himself to the free throw line. I think he had eight in the first half. He missed three of them, you know, which, which hurt as well. Not ideal. Yeah. We lost by three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I was going to say, well, just as a team, we were 21 for 27, 77%, which is like, I think six or 7% our average as well. So That also hurts.
0: Other key moments, uh, and I agree, but foul trouble for Derek White and Jason Tatum. And like particularly with Tatum's game, he picked up that fourth foul with a few minutes left in the third and became a little timid offensively. And I think like a, a possession or two later, got himself into the paint and- was sort of presented with the opportunity to put up a floater in some space and he was so yeah. concerned clearly about drawing an offensive foul in that moment that it just like messed with his head and he clearly like just didn't get the shot up that he wanted. Uh, we saw that uh, uh, multiple more possessions throughout the game. It obviously was in his head, particularly because of how much he was needed in this particular game because of all of the absences. And Derek White as well, obviously having to maybe modify his presence in in the rotation and in certain lineups throughout the game, because of his early foul trouble as well, We're already at such a disadvantage because of being the hospital Celtics. You add foul trouble to our two best players early in the game. Positive takeaway, I want to say, and please, like please, like feel free to dress me down here if I'm like getting a little bit carried <laughs> away. But like we were lucky to even be in it at the end.
2: Yeah, I, early in the in the second quarter, I'm like, if we can just kind of keep it within, you know, under ten basically, and, and have a chance to steal it late. That's all you can really hope for in a situation like this, and that's what they did. Um, <laughs> Jeff in the chat, I praise Tatum and then point out all of his mistakes. <laughs> He's not worthy of your praise. He's very worthy of my praise. I, I have so much respect for Tatum's ability to just play every night and play forty minutes. Like, can you imagine if Tatum like there was no almost no reason for Tatum to play the night? Like, there was obviously because they got so close to getting a win. But it's like all these guys are out. They just played the back to back. He had a left wrist soreness thing that clearly is an issue that's going to be continuing to be an issue. He comes out and plays the entire first quarter, has like an MVP level stretch to build a lead. And he does everything in his power to like get them over the line, but it's like his body just kind of can't last. So he's fully worthy of my praise, Jeff. Um, (laughs) But he wasn't perfect. And I'm sure he'll be the first one to admit it once I go back and watch the post-game comments after this. I forgot who I was praising before this. But um Maybe Derek, Derek White. Maybe Derek White. I believe White. it was Derek
1: White of as course. usual. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. Goodness. laughs> Just default to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like
2: um well I, I actually sneakily had a, a Derek White points, rebounds, assist bet on uh, the game, which was it was set at the line was at like twenty one and a half, and like without the foul trouble, he probably goes for, you know, combined forty all of those. He was he was so good um getting people involved. The the defense he had another block tonight. The fact that yeah. He, he, he's going to make, he should probably be first team all defense. It feels like, um, it's going to be like between him and Drew holiday for kind of, like, I feel like the first team, he's been the best Celtics defender consistently from the, in the first game all the way through. And to be out again, if he, if he hadn't gotten in that foul trouble, he played 33 minutes tonight. Um, just to be someone that can get the offense moving. Cause outside of Tatum, there is no one on this team that played tonight that can like initiate offense, create an advantage off the dribble. Um, and even Derek White doesn't really create advantages by beating guys off the bounce. He's just so good at throwing these floaters off um, weird angles that are kind of mostly covered, but he gets them to go. Um, and then he's able to kind of get people leaning even more on those floaters. And he's dropping off, you know, dump offs to Luke Cornette and Robert Williams underneath. Um, just an all around, all around great game from from Derek White. And maybe if he doesn't pick up that dumb foul, uh, the rest really. Really, we're out to get us at a couple stretches in this game. Sucked the fun out of this one. Yeah, in that third quarter. So, if he's able to hang another five minutes in, maybe.
0: I think we're up to like one foul a minute, according to Keith Smith in the uh, (laughs) the Celtics blog chat at some point. So, just not a lot of fun. I suppose you could take the angle that the frequent small rests help a team like ours with a shallow bench and needing (laughs) a blower every now and then. But again, I'm, I'm clutching at optimistic straws here. Yeah, I thought Derek White was kind of a superstar in this game, and it was a really great stage for him to exhibit his many, many talents and um, put in one more of our starters, whether it be Al Horford or Marcus Smart in this game. And I think that's the difference. And we won't talk about the fact that Jimmy Butler was was missing in this one. Um, other moments of the game, you know, there are a few, I, I suppose, to get to key moments. The Heat late third quarter three-point barrage. Their three-point shooting Uh really came alive at that particular juncture in the game. Obviously, if that doesn't happen, we're not even where we ended to end the game. Jake, did that just come down to fatigue from your perspective as well, just an inability or an unwillingness to continue to chase around screens? Eddie House was critiquing the drop coverage that the Celtics were laying out there down the final stretch of the game. Like, What, from your perspective, was the the cause Mm. of this defensive drop-off for the Cs?
2: One play sticks out, Grant. Like got a fingertip to an offensive rebound, and go, like Oladipo misses one three, offensive rebound hits the third, the, and then that that kind of sparked them. It was Depot hit the two threes, and then hit, you know that's just sometimes what happens. Is like one or two go down, and the rest of the team starts to feel it because up till up to that point, the Celtics had just kept them in check, and you know Tyler Hero was just brick. He was a bricklayer out there tonight, and eventually the lid just kind of got lifted. I, I don't know. It it was it was just it felt like a yeah a fatigue thing, and it was it was almost like we 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 weren't able to make shots, and so we were kind of playing scramble transition defense as well. Like if Houses is able to make one of the shots that Tatum places on a platter for him, that probably makes it a little bit easier to play in your set defense. But you've got you've got Bam coming downhill, and people are sucking in, and he's kicking out to. 2K creator player, Haywood Highsmith, um, who's just knocking down threes. Uh, yeah, you just put him in a tough spot.
0: What about the – let's just get to the Rob-Bam matchup, yeah? Unless, Spoonie, there's anything that you wanted to chime in with there.
1: Uh, that one thing on the the drop coverage, I thought we should have started trapping Hero um, just because he was creating so much. And I feel like you can turn him over if you put a lot of ball pressure on him. He's, like, pretty weak um, and he's not – very big and i, I would have liked to see us mix that up a little bit because it felt like he kind of got the rhythm of our defense down when we were in that drop and he was getting to his spots a little bit and he eventually started making some shots or he was creating for bam and uh it just feels like you got to mix it up a little bit
0: yeah no that, that's fair just a comment here from dylan in the chat. <laughs> If I have to watch Tatum take eight seconds to get the ball up the floor, then 10 seconds of standing still, doing nothing, every possession, then D-White is out there. uh, I'm going to lose it. Understandable frustration. I think we talked about it earlier. Fatigue, absolutely a factor in how the offense fizzled out in this one. So, you know, it's easy to just kind of sit at home on this chair that I'm sitting in now watching the game. And you know, cheering the guys on, expecting them to go above and beyond on every single possession, but in reality, they are human beings. They get tired, yeah. and uh, that was certainly the situation in this particular. Yeah, Dylan, game. you
2: play forty minutes while the Miami Heat's trapping you all game. <laughs> it's yeah. hard,
0: probably. While well, your best buddies, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, are sitting yeah. at home uh, icing icing their various injuries Out at the club
2: um, down in South Beach in the water. <laughs>
0: I mean, there are other notable takeaways, like Grant Williams clutch three with 40 seconds to go to tie it. I could not believe he hit that. Tatum's <laughs> and one on Bam with two minutes 20 left in the game to sort of um, close the gap there and, and put us back in contention to win this game. But ultimately, none of it kind of matters based on what happened subsequently. Can we talk a little bit about the Bam and Rob matchup a little bit, Jake? I know you you had some stats mm. that you tweeted out a little earlier today. Spoonie, you've got an article coming out sort of loosely based around this podcast that I think focuses on the Rob-Bam matchup from this one. So, Jake, what were your takeaways from that particular part of the game?
2: Yeah, well, the stats don't really bear it out, but um, from the Eastern Conference Finals in the games that Rob did play, um, at least 15 minutes, which was five of the games, Bam averaged nine, I mean, or 10, eight, and two. In the games where Rob either sat or played less than 15 minutes was 28, 10. And five, like Rob really owned Bam in the Eastern Conference Finals in the minutes that he played. And I felt like today as well, he really played Bam well. Um, There was six minutes where Bam played where Rob was off the court and I feel like he ate the Celtics alive in those minutes. That being said, I think Bam played a lot better today than he did in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bam is having a really good season, uh, especially lately. He's been really good. Making a push for for the All Star Game, he's a tough cover though. Like those those mid range jumpers, where and because he's so athletic, he's really good at getting to the rim as well. That you're you're just in a tough spot on how you're supposed to play him when he's knocking down those those sixteen to eighteen foot jumpers. It's it's kind of there's not a lot you can do because you you kind of have to live with it because if you if you get up on on him, he's going to go straight past you. Um, I thought Rob did a pretty good job of making sure that most of them were contested. But gotta give the edge to to Bam on this one, unfortunately,
1: yeah, I didn't I thought Rob did a really good job of containing him and not letting get him get all the way to the rim. um I don't know how many assists Bam had, but i I don't feel like he did a particularly good job of like picking us apart with his passing. one yeah. assist yeah one hell, oh, there you go. um it was just an absolute flurry of mid range jumpers, and we've seen him go cold on that shot i mean it's a shot that i think you just have to live with him taking a lot of i that's good defense if you're forcing bam into a ton of uh 15 18 footers uh, and yeah he's really talented sometimes he's gonna make a bunch of them and it it's obnoxious one thing I, <laughs> <laughs> one thing i do not love about not Rob, but how Rob is being used is that mm. I thought there were several times, not several, like a dozen times, Rob was open in these soft spots of the zone. And it felt like people weren't passing to him because they're like, well, he, he can't score from there. He's probably not going to score. But Rob's such a good passer that if you give him the ball in that sort of dangerous area and make the defense have to turn and guard someone near the hoop instead of just sitting in their zone – watching everybody out on the perimeter dribble around and do nothing like it gets the defense moving it makes them make decisions and then you can back cut you know you can set back screens you can set flare screen you can do all sorts of stuff when a guy has the ball actually kind of near the basket against his own defense and rob was there all the time and he was calling for the ball several times and just nobody would give it to him and (laughs) Rob's so good at passing. like he can pick defenses apart man if he's given the opportunity. I'd like to see him more of be more of a focus.
2: The Rob utilization so far since he's come back has been really disappointing. I think yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that maybe the All-Star break um they can get some practice time in to work him in more and kind of and just give him the the chance and the freedom and empower him to to take some of those little the jumpers, like little hook shots because he had, I think, maybe one, the one shot that he missed tonight, right? Because he was five for six. He got one and he had, he, he was, it was an awful attempt. He didn't know if he should shoot a shooter jumper or a float hook. He did like a two-handed half layup thing. It was terrible. But when you're getting one attempt and you're, you're just not expecting to get the ball in those spots, it probably doesn't feel like the team has confidence in you in those spots. I can guarantee you he works on those... Those shots from oh, like yeah. yeah the the you know the the eight the eight to you know ten foot and and in range, you got to at least give him a few reps in there. And this is like a perfect example of a time where offense is the offense is falling apart. We scored ninety five points. Like, let's give the, the guy a guy the attempt from eight feet away. It can't be worse than some of the other shots we were getting up.
0: Yeah, there's reps in practice and then there's attempts at game speed and that's clearly what he needs. And furthermore, one of the biggest issues the Celtics have had playing against the zone defense is just making that entry pass, finding the guy on the nail to get the the ball sort of to attack the the, the teeth of the zone defense. And a guy with Rob's reach, you know, it's so much easier to find him with the ball given his, his wingspan and whatnot. Like, yeah, I absolutely love those looks for him. He was there, like you said, Spoonie calling for the ball and we weren't going to it for whatever reason. And on the other end, and his defense of, of Bam Adebayo, we mentioned he had one assist. The one assist that he got was when Rob actually did come away from the rim and defend him in that short mid area. Yeah. And as soon as he came away, Bam found whoever the cutter was for, for that made bucket. Um, and then we went back to defending the original way, hence only one assist for Bam Adebayo. Yeah. So, um, Definite room for development there for not only Rob, because like you said, I'm sure he's practicing that, but for the Celtics in terms of as a team looking to find him in those opportunities more often than not. Moving forward to the rest of the roster and getting more into individual performances and away from, you know, moments of the game. Pritchard, Hauser, Cornette, Spoonie, of those three names, who jumps off the page for you? Hauser, and it is not for a good reason. I was going say. <laughs> to say more. <laughs> I mean is this dude
1: on his way out of the league what is going on i mean he was good against the magic i'll give him that he he looked (sighs) so much more lively against the magic and he looked like he actually had some confidence so i was actually i was excited um as as we're rolling some clips here of of silky sammy going to the rack (laughs) with the left baby but um look there's 20 guys in the G League who can have one good game out of every 10 in the NBA, right? It's about consistency and when you're a shooter and not much else, like it maybe it's unfair, but you're going to be judged on whether your shots go in or not. And you know, he's got to start making some shots, man. It's getting painful.
2: It's really sad. It's really sad. <laughs> because the for the first we were all in on the the house money, the house boat, the house train. Um, he was shooting so like 56%. Balls. He couldn't miss. He hasn't, yeah, like he's, he must be, he's going to be below 40% now. And, it's, and the only reason it got stuck on 40% is because he stopped playing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: He it's, he did have two awesome blocks.
1: He did. What about awesome Grant? Block. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, ahead, just ben. on
0: Hauser, he's yes. at least an adequate defender. Right, which I feel like if he yeah, wasn't at fair. all, he would have been sent up to Maine or I don't know geographically relative to Boston, where where Maine is up or down or of across course. to yeah, Maine. Thank good. you. It's tough. <laughs> uh, much <laughs> earlier, but defensively, like he, he's kind of able to soften the blow of this huge drop off in shooting. And that you know, obviously he's not like Gary Payton out there or anything, but you know he's holding his own when teams are attacking him, and that's been one of the the many narratives of the season so far. And I feel like he's buying himself some time uh, with that. Peyton Pritchard. I thought he was pretty pretty great in this game. Shooting-wise, the numbers don't look good. Defensively, another guy who can sort of surprisingly hold his own. And Jeez, you yeah. go back to the Raptors game where Siakam yes. was trying to go at Peyton Pritchard at the end of that game. And Pritchard's like, you ain't getting through me, buddy. And like completely yeah. held his own. And I just feel like he's, an, he's another instance of... You know, he looks like a defensive exploit for opposing teams, but he never is. And he's amazing. And the energy that he brought in this game almost got us over the line if it weren't for the the greater fatigue at the end of the game. So disappointed with Sam Hauser, elated with with Peyton Pritchard overall. Agreed.
2: Yeah, Peyton definitely played better than Pritchard. Peyton definitely played as well as Pritchard um, and better than Sam Hauser.
1: (laughs) Exactly as well.
2: Yeah. And it's like... To have the impact he did, shooting four for 14, two for nine, um, the defense is so impressive. Like he was a big, I, I mean, I know H- I, Hero just missed some wide open looks, like, but Pritchard was making him uncomfortable. There was a possession on Bam where he held his yeah. own and forced a tough shot. Um, the Siakam stuff was so, was awesome. Like the fourth quarter from Pritchard uh, was so impressive, uh, picking guys up full court. He was Siakam's like. I need a screen. Give me Horford. This Pritchard guy's too much for me. Um, It's just like it's it's just a game. It's a game like yesterday and today. It's like do we just combine Hauser and Pritchard and trade something for someone like Josh Richardson who like can play like proper minutes in the NBA, and it's not like look at Pritchard. his thing i'm so proud of him um and it's like we expect this guy to be able to like play started minutes in the nba um or is it just like there's four like we had four guys out and you're expecting too much from your 11th man that's it's probably a little bit of column a a little bit of column b but you needed more from from either one of those guys and we can get to the other guy as well if you want soon
0: well, this is tough because it's one of those games where the it's like the depth is on display, right? We've got multiple guys out and we're getting really good, solid performances from guys who are otherwise riding the pine for huge stretches of the season. And then on the other hand, you know, we're missing four guys and how can we possibly expect to win with all those guys out? So it's almost like both things can be true at once, I suppose. Who's the other guy that you want to get to? Grant. <laughs> yeah, oh, what, we're just going to skip over that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, let, let's, hear let's hear it. Let's <laughs> hear it.
1: It was <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... I don't know where his head is at right now, but it is not in the place where it needs to be for him to make good decisions. Um, He just – he's three for three from three, but there was four or five that I thought he should have just let fly. And then he pump faked, tried to go by somebody and – generally something terrible happened after that sometimes nothing happened which is the best thing that happened when he was pumping and going tonight um and and last night too i I thought he also was like he'd make a great play and then he'd step out of bounds or do something dumb and he's gotten the step out of bounds bug um recently he's carrying that torch for the celtics where you step out of bounds on the in the corner, um, which is just like one of the most frustrating things as a fan to just like, dude, you you are on a basketball court like seventy percent of your life, yeah. like you got to know where out of bounds is. Um, it, it just seems like he found the right balance of like the shoot drive. And then now he had some success and he's like, oh, I could just drive yeah. a little bit more. Huh? Yeah. Oh, what if I was like a playmaker and it's just not working?
2: We had two quick trigger threes in the first quarter and I had it in my notes. I'm like, yes. And there was like, there were tight closeouts and he and he'd splash both of them. And then for the rest of the game, we didn't see it. The only one yeah. that we saw was because he kind of had to shoot the one in the fourth quarter because we needed a three. I don't know, like, someone's got to talk to him. Be like, you shoot the ball. Like, in, until you just start getting blocked on your shots. Like, we've never, when when have we seen, like, we don't see that. Like, that's, I'd much prefer to start seeing that start to pop up than what we're kind of seeing right now. And then he can kind of get back to driving closeouts again. The balance, the mix is off. The Grantics.
0: Everywhere. Back. So
1: many Grantics. So many Grantics,
0: <laughs> dude. Gee we're lookers. He does, like, to just to credit Grant, and this is obviously a risky scenario to do such a thing, he has (laughs) exhibited, like, many heady plays throughout the season and exhibited a new skill set coming into this season. Does he always put it together, you know, game to game? No, absolutely not. But he has had some crucial moments throughout the season for the team as far as, like, his contribution as a key role player. Not an end of the bench guy, not a Blake Griffin, not a Luke Cornette, but, like, a playoff rotation, role player. The inconsistency comes with his the mental mistakes that he clearly makes and sort of unsure of how to apply this new skill set. So I almost view this as a, a transitional season sure. for him where he needs to mature in his new knowledge of what his body is capable of and how he can apply that to the game. The unfortunate side of that is we're trying to win a championship. And, you know, going into the playoffs, ideally, at least into the All-Star break, first seed, you know, who knows what's going to happen down the line with Al Horford going to be 37 you know that that window is closing potentially so we need him to be good grant now um so i guess the way i look at it is like make your mistakes now make it on the second night of a back-to-back while you're playing for the hospital celtics with most of your roster sidelined but come right when it comes to the playoffs and i hope that he manages to figure it out by then because this was a this was a rough one for grant absolutely yeah go I- 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 going I was
1: just gonna say, I think that's what's so frustrating is like the they're so avoidable. Most of his mistakes, and he's clearly a smart and heady player. He'll do like make a super smart play or read the play perfectly and have a perfect defensive rotation or make the right pass or set a good screen, and then he just does something so boneheaded that it. It doesn't make any sense. And then he screams at the ref and it's like, dude, you got to stop doing that. Yeah. That's, That's not your you role, You got to stop. Yeah.
2: That was not a ref, ref problem. I, You know, Ben, I, I think you're right in the sense that if you zoom out with Grant, he's had a positive impact on the team this year. There was an episode where we, you know, ranked the luxury items when the, every Celtic on the team was shooting above 50% from three. And we had <laughs> Derek White ranked Second behind Grant and number one because of what he brings to the team that they don't have. Otherwise, when you look at like um, matching up with Giannis and and you know going small and when playing him at the four and the five, like giving them a, a level of versatility they don't have without him. And I think that's still all true. And I think that the fact that he's playing thirty six minutes tonight, he was he played I think twenty four last night, which was low, but then he played a lot against the Raptors. Um, and so I, I also feel like probably the messaging to Pritchard, to Grant, to these howls are going into the game is like, you have to be aggressive. You have to try and do stuff. We are missing guys. Um, and, and I think that maybe, you know, he overextended in, in that regard and he probably he wasn't able to kind of grab the rope once once the turnover started getting in his own head. And he has like that little persecution complex. He feels like the refs are out to get him, um, which they're definitely not.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll uh, he'll get it under wraps, I think. Yeah, I hope. Who knows? Really, not me. Well, um, well
2: it's like the Celtics in general. Like they do this, the, the, the things, and then when it's like really important, they they typically just play really well and win. Um, it's just usually what they do, for sure.
0: 44 minutes (laughs) on a loss at the end of a back-to-back with half of that team Um, Guys, we might have a problem. We keep doing this, going super long on meaningless games. We do need to move on. Uh, We're going to start with, and we've got very few segments remaining, so don't worry. We're going to wrap up very soon. (laughs) This is uh, on Celtics blog by Adam Taylor. Rumor, Celtics interested in Willie Hernan Gomez Spoonie, is this the better of the Hernan Gomai or?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> First of all, the better of the Hernan Gomai is a very, very low bar, but it is definitely <laughs> the better of the Hernan Gomai. He, he's, you know, Wancho is like a big wing, kind of like the Grant's position. Willie is a true center. He's got real size. I don't think he's particularly good defensively, but I do think he can like chip in a little bit and finish around the rim and rebound. So, I think we talked about Willie over the summer mm-hmm. um, as, as potentially a target, and he should be really cheap. I think he's basically on a minimum contract or just about. Um, so that would be very easy to match. I love that as a target, and there's no room for him in New Orleans. I, I don't see how he really cracks the rotation there. So it makes a ton of sense to me. He's cheap. He's better, probably better than Luke Cornett. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, go, pull the trigger now on that one.
2: Yeah, love it. Love it so much more than the Yuck and stuff, which Same. involves like actual salaries and actual assets, allegedly, in order to to get someone like that. Yeah, perfect. Um, fun name to say,
1: memory Not of sure. his brother.
2: You know, his brother might forgive us for apparently anything that we did to him. Um,
1: yeah. And we can keep the innuendos going if we trade
0: PP for Willie. It's perfect. There prom. you go, big Willie <laughs> style Every <laughs> time. I yeah.
2: love it, Willie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it seems like a a simple, easy move. Don't overthink it. If he's available, if you can get him for a second and a small portion of one of our remaining TPEs or the DPE, even, then like go out and do it now. Because Luke Cornet, you know, not necessarily sustainable going forward as much as we love the Cornish Game Hen. Nah. Something you want to say, Jake?
2: Oh, I was, <laughs> I was say, to I think This is Willie. Really, like the big Willie really is not exactly going to you know, change change our lives either. Like we're going to. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, not. like he's better than the Cornish Game Hen, but marginally like he's like he's like an emu he's a more he's a far more you know elite bird um but (laughs) you know not by much
0: yeah but that's what these like championship core teams what they look (laughs) to do around the the trade deadline it's like they're tweaking around the edges right like you're not you're not trading like marcus smart or Derek white you're you're trading like the little guys little tiny upticks in certain areas that are the difference in a game seven of a final series or something like that. Not that hopefully we wouldn't see Hernan Gomez in any game, let alone game seven of, of any series, let alone the finals. Sorry, I digress. Um, Eddie House and Sean Grande have been on the call the last two games. First of all, do either of you know why? Like logistically, you know, obviously Mike Gorman doesn't travel with the team. Unsure what's going on with Scow. And then secondly, Jake, we'll start with you. What's your take on, on this combination on the on the TV broadcast?
2: I I, I wonder if they're trying stuff out. I would, I'm like I wonder if they're actually you know aware of what people are saying about the broadcasts and because like and, and things like that. I feel like they they're quite aware. Like NBC Sports is a TV network. Um, I you know I will kind of switch off um, to the other broad. I switched off the the Perk and Scout broadcast um, and things like that. Um, so I wonder if they're trying out someone else other than Scout. Uh, I don't mind Scout. I think he's pretty solid but has his flaws. Um, I wonder if they're bringing in someone else to test it. it. It also just may be like scales sick and he's just missing a couple of games. Um, I I didn't watch tonight's Celtics podcast. I like to watch the national ones to just get a feel for how they're talking about the Celtics. Um, but I really liked Eddie in the Magic game. I feel like he's got a very like smooth confidence about him. Um, he's good for a few outlandish comments here and there. Um, yeah, I like, his, I like his cadence. He's I really had a fun time with him yesterday. How,
0: how was he today? He was fine. I don't know if you've got any extra thoughts. He <laughs> was fine. Yeah, I mean, he's not amazing. Like, that's just my opinion. I'm nothing against the guy, but it's not like... I, I feel like with, with Scout, he'll drop a little knowledge of... Uh, uh, a nugget of knowledge, rather, at least once a game where I'm like, hmm, okay, like, that's interesting. I wasn't looking at it that way. I haven't had that from eddie yet but eddie house definitely flows better with sean grandy mm. I, I think in a chemistry between those two you're listening to two voices essentially the whole game chemistry is hugely important possibly more important than like actual x's and O insights on the game so i'm on the fence to be honest i wish i could offer a <laughs> legitimate opinion but at this point sample size with eddie house is too small for me to, to really make a call Especially, i don't know if you want to be the decider on this one uh, the
1: Celtic streams blacked out for national TV oh, games man. for me, so I couldn't watch it today. But I, I did have Eddie um, for yesterday's game. Yeah, I would echo um, your what you think, Ben, in that I think Scal is legitimately good at explaining some more complex um, X's and O's to the audience. Uh, but he's just... It's, I just don't think it's there chemistry wise. With. I think more so with Grandy than Mike, but he – I don't want to call him abrasive, but it just sometimes like Grandy will clearly make a joke and Scal's like, what are you even talking about, yeah. dude? And it's like that is not how this is no. done, Scal. Uh, and I do think Eddie, um, he seems a little more open to kind of goof around a little bit. And, and, you know, Grandy's sort of an eccentric personality, too, in a good way. I love him. Um, so you need somebody like that's why him and Maxwell are so good, because, he, you know, he, Maxwell makes Grandy look like the biggest square on the planet because he's just so crazy <laughs> yeah. and hilarious. So I, I, you know, I thought chemistry wise is probably an improvement. I'm not sure overall. If it will be, but I'd be willing for them to like switch off, ready does road games just to kind of see how it goes. I
2: I'm a vibesman, you know, and like <laughs> what I'd want from my broadcast personally is like to add to the energy um of the game. And so like when things are like getting really awesome and Tatum and Jalen are cooking, playoff games, I feel like when I, you know, in the moment Plus, going back and watching, I feel like Eddie has more potential for like those epic kind of um, vibes as opposed to to Scal on, on the call, which maybe you look probably getting a little too granular on the, the Eddie Scal
0: debate, but that's right. <laughs> hey, this, is, this is the conversation that's being had among yeah. fans. And yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> our team's gunning for a championship and our broadcast crew, are, they're rebuilding, clearly. <laughs> um, the play-in sort of tier. Yeah. Now, quickly to, to wrap up here. I almost cut this out because we're running super long, but a tweet from Adam Himmelsbach, Adam Himmelsbach, rather, of the Globe. Joe Mazzola just walked past Marcus Smart in the locker room, <laughs> God, did a full somersault this? in front of him, turned and said, You can't do that, and then walked out. And I don't know like, if there's any takeaways you guys have from this very um, meaningless and uh, innocuous tweet, but the one takeaway I had from this was that they cut to Marcus Smart walking into the arena at one point in the game, and he was timid. AF, like straight up limping. And I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, someone get that guy like a crutch at least, like maybe a wheelchair. Then I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's good to walk on it and sort of like get the inflammation out of it. I don't know. Any takeaways on this tweet, (laughs) on Marcus Smart? My mind's going crazy with this. Jake, what do you think?
2: I love it. Let's just walk the inflammation out. That's a good (laughs) plan. I'm going to start doing that when I get a sprained ankle. Um, I love it just because i feel like joe you know he doesn't really give you anything as far as personality goes and like i'm always kind of interested in the, the you know, the, the the relationships between the coaches and the players and like the vibes between the team like is he a serious guy like email was like hard ass but like had good banter apparently so i, I like seeing joe having kind of like we saw the videos of him playing like Three on three with the coaches and like taking people out. Yeah, <laughs> seeing yeah. seen him like talking talking smack and doing somersaults. Um, actually, kind of makes sense he's doing it to Smart because Smart is like notoriously quite gymnastical, um, with his <laughs> kip keep up, keep ups and things of the nature. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just thought it was a fun, like, little insight into Joe actually having some personality. Like, on the broadcast tonight, he is like completely disregarded the question of the sideline reporter that was, layer, reporter, yes. that was gold just like yeah it's a, it's a blessing out here it's like that was you a question <laughs> everybody's about you really before. good at basketball <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so, yeah. i think i think he just just like messing with the media yeah. and, oh for sure yeah so i which i it totally enjoy um but I honestly thought I had to double check that was Adam Himmelsbach like seven times because I was like, this has to be a parody account or something like this makes absolutely (laughs) no sense at all. What a bizarre like moment. I don't know. I I, I, whatever. It seems like they're just goofing around, you know, just boys will be boys. Let's do some somersaults and whatever, (laughs) dude. Let's go play some basketball. I don't know. It's just strange, but I thought it was funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well worth a a yarn at the tail end of this podcast. Uh, Guys, this was fun. I think I needed this just to sort of vent after two back-to-back disappointing performances. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you also, by the way, for 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Very excited by that. Here's to 5,000 more. Why not? Yes. We'll be (laughs) back on Thursday night. Firstly, firing up our playback room for the Celtics-Knicks game. That's Thursday night. The link for that is going to be in the description below. We'll also have another live post-game show right after that next game. Then Sunday night, back with another post-game show after Lakers at Celtics. So looking forward to that one. Come and hang out. Come say hello. We love having all of you along for the ride, whether it's in the playback room or here on YouTube or later on the Celtics blog podcast feed. We love all of you listening and, and watching and interacting with us. Spoons, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace.